Welcome to another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast with your hosts, Mike Gore and Jocelyn Gotto. This podcast is full of stories and lessons from the persecuted church to help you follow Jesus no matter the cost. For more information, head over to opendoors.org.au or opendoors.org.nz. Here's today's episode. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast. It is Mike Gore here in the studio but not with Joss Gotto. I'm here with Beth Westwood because Joss is on maternity leave. Her and Matt welcomed a beautiful baby girl into the world only a few weeks ago. And so Joss and Matt are away learning what it means to be new parents and in that newborn phase. And so Beth, our producer has stepped into the seat. Welcome. Thank you. It's very weird to be on this side of the microphone, but thank you so much for everybody who's tuning in today. It really makes all the hours of editing and recording that we put into these podcasts worthwhile. We love hearing um, the way that these episodes challenge you and your faith and, and grow your faith as well. So thank you. And it's great to be here. I'm excited for today's episode. Now, although you've been the woman behind the mic for a long time, <laughs> You and I have had the great privilege of traveling to many countries around the world and meeting yeah. with the persecuted church. Yeah. There are, are countless stories that I'm sure we can share over the <laughs> coming months, but your heart, your uh, exposure and your experience with the persecuted church, it is among probably one of the more long-term and, and wide and broad in our team. And so for all the listeners out there, I think it's going to be an incredible opportunity mm. to have you step into this seat uh, while Joss is away learning what it means to be a mum. Now, today's episode, we're talking about unanswered prayer. Beth, that's kind of one of those taboo kind of topics because I think Christians we love, and particularly Christian podcasts, no offense to anyone else, but we often like to highlight all the positive sides of Christianity. And that's a really good place in doing that. But I I think we fail to sometimes talk about the real side of Christianity. And Mm. for me, and this year has been a journey of, in many ways, unanswered prayer. And so my hope is, I mean, we mentioned it on the podcast only a month or so ago that we'll do an episode on this. Yeah. But my hope is it will really resonate with people. Now, off the back of that episode a couple of months ago, we asked people on Instagram, well, what are your thoughts on prayer? And our listeners, you guys said, it's a conversation between God. Others said, well, it helped you hear God's wisdom and get a new heavenly perspective of things that you're going through. And so mm. today, that's what we're going to look at prayer, but more specifically, unanswered prayer. Yeah, and I think as well, when we're talking about unanswered prayer, it's not necessarily saying um, that God doesn't answer prayer. It's more the prayers where we've asked God for things and we've believed for things and it just hasn't worked out the way that we've wanted it to or, or felt we've needed it to. Um And so, yeah, we've loved all those people who contributed to that Instagram poll about what prayer meant to you. But I'm also really excited today to talk to people who struggle with prayer and who might find prayer one of the more difficult parts of their Christian walk. I remember talking off air before we did this. You said, man, you know what? People might not like Mm. my view, that is, on some of these (laughs) things. Because for me, prayer has been a very, inverted commas, boring part of my faith. Now, I know that's a, a... it can be a very insulting thing to say. It's not meant to be that. What it is is that I think for me it's it's lost any sense of relationship. It's lost any sense of connection uh, at times, by the way. Uh, it doesn't mean right now. But <laughs> it's more like prayer is one of those things where I feel like, hey, I'm checking the box because I, I kind of need to do it and it's what you're meant to do as a Christian and God's happy with me if I do it. And so it became something that I was doing out of servitude or out of a sense of, well, God won't be happy if I don't do it. And so... 
prayer became formulaic. It became ritualistic and all these things that made it inherently boring, but also, funnily enough, inherently underwhelming. Because I think when you go there thinking, hey, well, if I do right by you, God, you should do right by me. Mm. And then next thing you know, the prayers that you're asking are not being answered. It leaves a far greater valley for you to fall into because actually you're missing the whole point on prayer altogether. And my hope is that's the journey we'll take today. Yeah, and I love that you can talk about prayer like that because I feel like for so many of us, when we share the harder parts of our walk with Jesus, it can feel like we're having a crisis of faith Mm. and it can be something that we're not necessarily comfortable with sharing at church with our other Christian friends. But I think just because you struggle with a certain part of your walk with God, it doesn't mean that uh, you're not being a good Christian or that you're doing things wrong. I actually think it's awesome that we can come together on a podcast like this and learn from each other and talk about this topic. But as we kick it off, I think it would be awesome to look at what the Bible says that prayer is. I thought we could jump into probably one of the most well-known scriptures on prayer, um, which is the Lord's Prayer. For those of you who are listening, you're probably thinking, yep, that's familiar. I personally remember having to say it at school every morning. I went Mm. to a Christian school. Um, But I really like the passage of scripture that actually comes before the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus is sharing this this way of praying, this um, method or formula for prayer with his disciples off the back of telling them not to be hypocritical and not to be and really showy in the way that they pray. Um, you know, in Matthew 6, where this is found in verse chapter 7, he talks about, you know, when you pray, don't Babylon like pagans for they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them for your father actually knows what you need before you ask him. So then Jesus says to them, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We've heard it many times before, but when I read it again, I guess the first things that kind of jump out to me regarding what prayer should be Mm. is probably, first of all, that prayer should be honest. Like this is a very honest, very... um, no fluff kind of dialogue with God. And in verse eight, when it tells us that God actually already knows what we need before we ask him, it suggests to me that um, prayer also should be relational. God knows what we need. He knows what we're going to come to him and ask for, but he wants us to still be relational and have that conversation with him anyway. It actually reminds me of the great Chinese revivalist Wang Mingdao, who spent more than 20 years in prison for his faith. Now, mm. from, from memory and it was something around 17 years of those were spent in solitary confinement. I mean, literally no one else to talk to. And I remember Wang Mingdao was quoted as saying, when I was put into jail, I was devastated. I mean, I was an evangelist. I wanted to hold crusades all over China. I was an author. I wanted to write books. I was a preacher. Mm-hmm. I wanted to study my Bible and write sermons. But when I was thrown into prison and isolation, I had no Bible, no pulpit, no audience, no pen and no paper. I could do nothing, he said. Nothing except get to know God. And for 20 years, that was the greatest relationship he has ever known. And so you talk about prayer being honest, uh, being relational. Mm. Here is a walking, talking example from the persecuted church of a man who was able to find a sense of relationship in isolation. Mm. Incredible uh, insight into the role that prayer can play when you simply shift your lens on what prayer truly is. Yeah, absolutely. I love that story. I think the other thing as well that I got out of that passage of scripture is that 
prayer actually requires us to surrender to. You know, it says like your will be done. It's really us giving up maybe what we might come to God asking for. I know you've said this awesome saying a couple of times, Mike, that God is not a mix of Santa Claus and Superman. It's not about going to him and just asking for things on our bucket list and on our wish list. Um, But prayer actually really helps us position ourselves in a way that is a surrender to him as well. And then finally, the last thing I got out of a different passage of scripture about prayer being faith in action. And it's in James 5. It's actually called the prayer of faith. And so I just wanted to read that to our listeners. And it says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I think that's an amazing piece of scripture, but I also think it's a really difficult part of scripture to digest as well because, and I'm sure if if those of you listening are in a similar boat to Mike and myself, you've probably experienced that your prayers don't get answered the way that you'd expect them to. So that's what we want to talk about in today's episode. It's all about unanswered prayer. It's all about the moments where you might be um, asking God for something and believing for something, and it doesn't actually quite work out the way that you want it to. Um, and I know that you've had a bit of an experience with that quite recently as well, Mike. Yeah, it's um, it really is. It's, uh, it feels like a timely message. I mean, we've come through 2020, the time of recording this is April 2021. And last year, the world walked through COVID-19, the global pandemic. We were forced into isolation, lockdown. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, the, the virus is still ravaging the world in countries mm-hmm. like India at the time of recording this podcast. But having come through the turmoil, the uncertainty and the fear of 2020, I remember there was this element that 2021, although COVID still being real, did promise a sense of newness, a sense of hope. Mm. But it wasn't, I think it was my first day back, maybe the 11th of January back in the office. Um, I'd finished work and I was at a friend's house and we're having dinner, got in the car to leave and go home. And the phone rang and it was a wife of a very, very good friend of mine, one of my closest friends actually. And she was in tears and she told me how uh, my best mate had suffered a massive heart attack at work and had died. Mm. Hearing that was, um, I can still remember, I could tell you everything about that moment. I could tell you about where I was, the sounds, the, the temperature, how it made me feel. But, but here was a guy, Beth, that, to be honest, I, I looked to for so much of my spiritual um, guidance and understanding. I mean, we were uh, the s- similar ages mm. But we would catch up for dinners and we would talk about leadership and life. I mean, the guy was the, probably the strongest, most kid-focused dad I've, I've ever known. Mm. He was passionately in love with his wife. Mm. He was attending church regularly. He was doing all of the things that we associate with Christian goodness or wellness. Mm. And yet in an instance, he was taken. Mm. And I remember for me that there was the initial shock of losing him. But then sort of helping and walking with his wife, um, or, or be it very superficially, I'm sure, compared to anything she was dealing with. But their nine-year-old daughter and four-year-old daughter at the time, reaching out and asking, you know what? The Bible says that Jesus raised people from the dead. Why, why didn't he raise my dad? I mean, I asked him to do that. Beth, answering those kinds of questions, I'll, I'll tell you what, it is among the most difficult things I've ever had to do. And I remember saying back to his daughter, simply that, you know what? I asked for the same thing. I really did. I prayed and I went to seeing his body with a firm belief that, God, I know you can do this. I know that no matter what amount of time 
has passed, you can breathe life straight back into those lungs. Your Bible says it. I've seen and read stories of you doing it, but nothing happened. Nothing. And here I am going, but God, the promises of your word and then the reality of what I experience, then you add childlike faith where, I mean, his daughter truly believed, Beth, that it could be done, right? And and so walking that journey was a really difficult journey because I was sort of saying to myself, man, I had faith too. I mean, I truly believed. I was walked in thinking, man, God, we can do this. But nothing happened. And so that, that was my journey this year, I guess, in understanding unanswered prayer. But in the middle of that, Beth, what I've been on is a journey of trying to learn well, what does grief mean? And so I, I sort of work my way through to the understanding that, well, grief can only ever exist in the presence of love. If we didn't love, we could not grieve, right? which basically makes grief one of the most sacred of human emotions. It may be expressed through sadness, loss, even anger, but the reality is that if we did not love, we could not grieve. And so it made grief stunningly beautiful, albeit heartbreaking. What I want to share is the areas where I think I get prayer wrong. I get prayer wrong because I think I do it. Actually, I know I do it because I want God to feel good about me. I think it's the right thing to do as a Christian and I want to check that box and make sure, you know, when he's looking at that sort of report card that the tick in the prayer box is there. Yeah. And so actually it doesn't become anything that's relational that you talked about. It becomes a formulaic, religious structure, and, and it's meant to make me feel better about myself if I'm honest trying to say, look, God must be happy with me because I'm doing the right thing. That's not what prayer is. Mm-hmm. That's just me trying to have faith by works, work my way to a love with God. But what I realized was that prayer, for me in its best sort of analogy, is a great counseling session. I see a psychologist once a month, and you know what, I'm, I'm very public and open about that. I think in leadership, it's one of the healthiest things you can do. Yeah. And I think dispelling some of those myths around mental health and um, seeing psychologists or counselors is a really important thing, and hopefully speaking to some of our listeners today. Mm-hmm. Because it is, it's a shrine of strength. I always say, if you can't look at yourself, you can't lead others. And so I want to be someone who always has a posture of a learner, who's willing and able to look at myself. Prayer, it's, it's a great counseling or great psychologist lesson because it allows me to go and sit with God when I desperately need someone to talk to, someone to offload, someone to truly share and hear me. Every single time I've approached my prayer time with that posture, they've been transformative doesn't mean you can't ask for things it doesn't mean you can't thank god for things but going into prayer understanding it's almost like a great counseling session with the creator of the universe has made prayer now inherently beautiful there's so many things i don't understand there are parts of the bible that frustrate me that anger me i remember saying to my friend's daughter it's the moments where i am most angry with god that he seems to be the loudest Mm. and so god's okay with anger god's okay with emotion god created emotion and saying to her, it's okay to be angry with God. And I encourage you, direct it towards him. Yeah. Because it's in those moments of my life for years and years and years that I've found him to be the most vocal. Yeah. And so for me, Beth, that's where prayer is. It's gone from being that thing where I feel like I'm trying to check a box and have God be happy with me to approach it as going, now this is my opportunity to talk with the creator of the universe mm. and to almost have this glorious and beautiful um, counseling session with him. What does that sort of look like practically to you? Is there kind of a, a structure that you feel you often lean on and run to when you when you go into prayer? Like, do you start a certain way? Or it's a great question. Yeah. So the rhythm or routines I have around prayer would be that um, of a morning. I always say, if you win the morning, you win the day. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my morning will generally start at around six a.m. and I usually have um, wake up and I'll do twenty minutes of exercise. Um, 
straight away. Then I'll do 20 minutes of prayer and Bible reading. And then I'll do 20 minutes of learning. So 60 minutes covering three things, health, spirituality, and an element of learning. It might be reading or upskilling or something like that. But that 20 minutes of prayer in the morning basically involves me starting by just praising God. So I thank, thank God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Then I move into confession and just asking for forgiveness because I think Beth one of the things that is so often missed in Western culture is taking any time mm. to sit pause and acknowledge our brokenness mm. and asking for true forgiveness true repentance yeah so forgiveness and repentance comes second thirdly I'll pray for my family so my two daughters so there might only be a 30 second prayer I mean this whole prayer process it might only go for five or ten minutes it varies on any given day then I'll pray for my wife Sheridan and then I'll move into a time where I have um, affirmations or some people might call them mantras and I've got a whole host of those that I run through and and one of those is what I call my purpose statement or my value statement which really tries to realign every day that my calling is not in my title or my job mm. but it's in who I am to those around me. And so after I I go through those mantras and affirmations, I'll move into a time of prayer for open doors and for the team members Mm -hmm. and for the ministry in general, then prayer for the coming day. So I'll sit there and I'll think over my day, almost mentally rehearse what I have on that day, think through each of them. Um, For instance, if I'm meeting with someone for a coffee that day, I'll pray for that person. And then I will um, have a time where I bring all of the things that worry me. One of the things I've had, and you know, this is terrible sleep for a long time. And so I've been really trying to say, hey, no, no, there's only one moment in the day that I'm allowing myself to worry. And it's this moment in the morning where I sit with God. I lay my worries at his feet and then I watch him in my mind, sort of wipe them away because worry is not from God. That That's where it kind of ends. And then I'll pray for some friends and family and then move into that time of learning. But then of an evening, Beth, before bed, what I do is I only pray prayers of thanksgiving because I realized that my prayer life had so quickly become about asking and asking and asking, yeah. but very rarely thinking. And so what I'll do is I'll sit there and look back over the day. I'll think on the people I met and the opportunities I had. And so nighttime, the ritual of prayer there simply becomes prayers of thanksgiving. Thank you for being able to record this podcast today with Beth. Thank you that she stepped up into the role mm-hmm. um, while Joss is on maternity leave. And it might sound funny or as small as that, but it really is thinking back over my day and finding the things to thank God for. And mm-hmm. so I guess a long answer to a short question, but I hope no, for our good. listeners it gives insight into, I guess, some of the rhythms and routines that I try and practice daily. Yeah, I love that. And I love how much of those things that you're praying through are reflected in the Lord's Prayer as well, like praying for your kids and for the things that um, you need that day. It's like praying for your daily bread and then the repentance element. And it's so awesome to see how it is really reflected in the way Mm. that God asked us to pray. And even when you were saying it doesn't necessarily have to be long, well, Jesus never said it had to be and it Mm. didn't have to be this big, beautiful, long poetic monologue it's actually like this real genuine conversation with god i think um as well one of the things i've learned from working at open doors and even with brother andrew the founder of our ministry Mm. who basically said look it's possible to pray 24 hours a day i mean i remember him saying to me if you truly knew the power of prayer you'd be on your knees a hundred times a day asking god for things that would turn the world upside down wow but what I what I learned over the years was that prayer is also a posture. So if you can attune your heart towards God, you can pray in any moment of the day. You can pray mm. driving, you can pray sitting in the office, you can pray recording a podcast. Mm. Because simply what I'm doing is I'm attuning or redirecting my heart, my posture and my thoughts towards the things of God. Mm. And the Holy Spirit in those moments will often drop small, still voices into your mind. And people would call that wisdom. Mm. But, it, but it allows you to be able to pray throughout any day because it doesn't necessarily mean you have to sit there with your eyes closed, hands together, kneeling. Just attuning your heart towards the things of God is a great way to be able to pray throughout the day. Mm. But you, Beth, 
<laughs> also have a very, um, very big journey mm. with prayer, mm. unanswered prayer, but yeah. also in the middle of that, learnings from prayer. Would you be willing yeah. to share that with us? Yeah, I um, I actually really liked the part of your story just then where you talked about how God is okay with our emotions. Mm. I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned over the last couple of years in prayer is that um, prayer can actually be a wrestle with God and the wrestle is okay. And I think back to the story of Jacob where he actually has that encounter with the angel of the Lord and his whole family and all his possessions and everything has gone ahead of him. So he's on his own at night and this figure shows up and he wrestles with him until daybreak. He he comes out with a bit of a limp after that, um, but he also comes out with a new identity. And for me, prayer over the last couple of years was all about getting real with God and wrestling with him and being very, very vulnerable and very honest and transparent with the Lord. And that probably all started when about five years ago, my beautiful mum was diagnosed with stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer. And we went through a really long journey of praying and believing for healing, which is why that scripture in James can be so challenging to me because it talks about um, laying hands on the sick and bringing them before the elders and and praying for healing and that they will be healed. Mm. And I'd done a lot of traveling, you know, before my mum had been diagnosed and I'd seen these radical healings all over the world. I remember being in the Philippines and this mother and daughter came up to me and her her daughter had this large cyst sort of thing on her hand. And she said, would you pray for healing for my daughter? And I thought, I've never done this mm. before. God, give me the words. And so we, we prayed over her and I just started praying that in Jesus name, this cyst would just um, dry up and fall off. And the next day I was in a church service in a different part of the Philippines and I saw this mother and daughter again. I kind of avoided them because I didn't want to know if my prayer had worked or not um, and if God had moved at that time or not in the way that I had asked him to. And they come running up to me at the end of the service and they didn't speak much English, but she held up her daughter's hand and she said to me, look, look, it dried up and it fell off. And she held up this hand that was completely clean. There was no scarring. It was like it wasn't even there. Wow. And so I get back from that trip. My mom picks me up from the airport and that's when I find out that she'd been diagnosed with cancer. And so we'd been praying and believing for so long that she would eventually be healed. Um, in the end, we we got told by doctors that my mom had about two months to live and we walked through that end of life stage with her. And I remember really uh, clearly being reminded by the Holy Spirit at the time that whether my mom was healed on this side of eternity or the next was actually kind of irrelevant Mm. and not to sound um, insensitive to anybody who's walking through sickness or cancer with a loved one or a friend at the moment. But I just really felt reminded that whether she was healed on this side of eternity or the next, it was irrelevant because she would receive her healing. And I'd read a similar thing in a book called Find Your Brave by Holly Wagner, where she talks about her own cancer journey. And I remember having that conversation with mum that, you know, I believe she would be healed. I don't know what it would look like, whether she'd be healed while she was here with us or whether you know, it was when she was in heaven. And sadly, it did end up, you know, she found her healing when she, you know, passed on and um, and ended up in that other side of eternity. And I fully believe that she is healed and whole now. But I definitely had to wrestle for quite a while after what it looked like when I'd asked God for something, I believed for something. I didn't think it was a good outcome for my mom to die of cancer, as you can probably understand, but that was the outcome that ended up happening. And so going through this wrestle in prayer with the Lord of, you know, I don't know how to understand when you act in a way that doesn't align with my definition of good. And so basically at the the core of what I was journeying through in prayer was, is God who he says he is? And will he do what he promises that he will do? 
And so I'm wondering if anybody else has kind of had that that struggle themselves. That's definitely been my challenging journey with prayer and it's still ongoing too. Yeah, did you find or have you found over those uh, years that it sort of pushed you closer to God or drawn you further away from here or does it ebb and flow in any sort of given month and week? I think the thing with the wrestle is that it's really intimate. You can't wrestle with somebody without being close to them. Yeah. And so I found that for me, it really pushed me into God. It didn't mean I wasn't angry with him. I definitely had very honest conversations with God about how I was feeling. Um, But I can definitely say it pushed me into him. And it also, it helped me realize what my faith was actually made of and what it was built upon. And I think a lot of people, especially in light of COVID over the last 12 months, Uh, For many of us, church has looked so different. And so our normal rhythms and routines around our Christian walk have looked different. And it's probably really challenged a lot of us to think about, okay, what what is my faith? What is my relationship with God? When you take away a Sunday service or my normal rhythms, what is my faith based on? And fortunately, I found that it was based on the very real person of, of Jesus Christ. And that relationship is real. But I think those kind of challenges are really necessary for our faith. Yeah, and look, I think there'll be there are listeners out there, Beth, who have had maybe the opposite experience of that. I, I know and have heard of and experienced people in my own life who have walked away from faith because mm. of unanswered prayer. Mm. And as we begin to wrap up this episode, I'd really love to encourage all of our listeners from Psalm 23 and just a lesson that I've learned this year in processing the death of my best mate, as well as many other issues around prayer and, and sort of questioning, God, where are you in this? Mm is that as I reflected on Psalm 23, it's one of the most famous psalms, if not the most famous, talking about the valley of the shadow of death. You know, the Christian walk, it is it is lined with mountaintops and valleys, middle ground and everything in between. But one of the things that I love about that psalm is that it shows Jesus not in front of us leading us, not behind us pushing us, but walking beside us, with us. It's a position of intimacy, of empathy and togetherness. And I think for me in the moments that I have found myself most disillusioned or distant from God because of unanswered prayer. It's because I've been so focused and distracted by looking at the pain that I've failed to realize that Jesus is right beside me every step of the way. He's next to me. And so my hope is today for people listening to this, whether you found uh, stability in God, whether you've been pushed into him or away from him, the understanding that Jesus is right beside you. He is walking with you. Our goal and our key is, is to not get so focused in the pain that we fail to realize that Jesus is beside us every step of the way. I know this has been a little bit of a backward episode, but my hope is that this has been a real episode that can help people go, hey, you know what? Yeah, I've felt that way too, or maybe I do right now, but actually we still do have a God who is in control of all things, the great counselor and advocate in the sky where you can go and sit and attune your hearts towards him literally just pouring out your emotions, good, bad, indifferent, get angry, whatever it might take, because the reality is that he loves you, he cares for you, he sees and hears you, and despite the story not ending in the way that we may want it to, we are assured that the overall story ends in the way we do. Mm. Jesus overcoming sin and death, Mm. reuniting us with him, and whether it's in this life or the next, you know, we will find wholeness and closeness to Jesus. And so, again, I hope it's been an encouragement to you today and would love you to comment. I mean, we can post it on Instagram, ask some questions, because I hope we can get some great discussion out of this and see how people feel with prayer themselves and whether or not this episode has been something that has encouraged you and inspired you and helped you 
in your walk with Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like if you're needing that extra bit of encouragement around it as well, every story that we hear from the persecuted church is an example of this. It's people who are going through really difficult, tough situations who obviously pray that um, their families will be safe and that they will be able to continue their ministry and things like that. But it doesn't always end up that way. We work with people who who are living in prison and who are sharing the gospel there and who are separate from their families um, as they continue building the kingdom. Persecuted Church are just the perfect example of that. So we've got plenty more stories. If you haven't listened to the last couple of episodes of the Open Doors Live podcast, please go and do that as well. One resource or tool I can encourage you to watch is the movie The Shack, Beth. If you have not seen that movie, you know what, I was terrified because I thought it would be a corny Christian film. But (laughs) when I watched it, it was one of the most powerful and profound um, films I've probably ever seen. I've I've recommended it to people left, right and centre now. Mm -hmm. And if you are in one of those seasons that's really wrestling with God, then I encourage you, sit down, sit with it, learn from it. Because for me, it was really transformative in understanding that I can get so focused in looking at the pain that I don't even realize Jesus is right beside me. So as always, we love you. We thank you for all of your support. Please rate, review, share this wherever you can. And thanks for all you do. In today's episode, you heard us mention the story of Wang Min Dao from China. Did you know that China is in the top 20 most dangerous places to be a Christian? Privacy in China is rarely guaranteed and many churches have cameras out the front monitoring whoever attends their services. Crosses have been torn off church buildings while others have been completely demolished. Elderly Christians can have their government assistance taken away simply for professing their faith in Jesus. And it has been reported that Chinese citizens can be financially rewarded for sharing information on Christians to the authorities. Despite the enormous cost of faith in China, many people are responding to the good news of Jesus Christ and the church in China continues to grow. If you'd like to find out more information, you can head over to opendoors.org.au or opendoors.org.nz. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast with your hosts, Mike Gore and Jocelyn Gotto. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. And for more information of how you can get involved, go to opendoors.org.au or opendoors.org.nz. I'm your producer, Beth, and we'll catch you next month for another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast.